We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey guys, before we get started on this episode, <laughs> well, as you can see, I had a good time on my bachelor party. Well, <clears throat> Scott and I recorded early Monday morning. Scott was at the event this weekend, so he was traveling home yesterday. I was traveling home yesterday. We just felt it would be best to do it Monday morning. Little did we know that Skype and technology would not cooperate. It was it was a struggle. And it, uh, there's a few points in this episode where uh, it might sound a little wonky or it might cut abruptly. We apologize for that. Scott and I, uh, one thing we always try and do is put out the best quality audio we possibly can to make the, the listening of the show good. Um, this episode had a few points, like I said, where it was tough. We, we had to, we had to pause maybe 10 times during this, this episode. So I did my best to edit it together. Um, I, I think, you know, it's still fine. It's still fun episode to listen to. We get into the recap of the, the BP crew event and, and everything Yankees are playing well right now. So, so that's really the good thing. Uh, but just bear with us in this episode and, um, we appreciate it guys. Enjoy the episode. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What is up, guys? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 343. We're doing a little role reversal here because the weekend has... I've maybe been a little bit more kind to me, although that's not saying too much. 
Andrew is back from his bachelor party. I know JJ is very concerned, was all concerned about him the entire weekend, but it looks like you survived. Welcome back. How are you doing? Well, so by the sound of your voice and the sound of my voice, we had similar weekends. <laughs> not going to lie to you. I'm here. You are here. That's true. Showing Maybe up. You can lie about it, that one. Showing up is just show up, right? I don't even know how that saying goes. My brain is operating on like 22% functionality right now. Yeah. Showing up but is half I'm the battle. Here. Showing up is half the battle. In my case, it is the entire battle today, but yeah. I am here. Very good. Well, you're, uh, we all know you had your bachelor party. You were, uh, we had the event this weekend. Any, anything that I know you're not, look, I, I know bachelor parties, like we don't talk about them. That's, that's just, we kind of, we kind of just like let that happen, but successful bachelor party. You had a good time with your, with your buddies and all that. Very successful. No major injuries. That was the first thing I was concerned about. Most of the people on, on the thing were like 29 and up. Yeah. So once that happens and you spend three straight days drinking and eating like you're 21 years old, right. injuries are bound to happen. No major injuries. So check mark there. No people lost. That's good. Check mark there. That's good. When you Wallet, say no major injuries, hospital visits? I'm just saying, like, you got to – well, first of all, we did have a guy on the trip with a torn ACL, but he didn't do that on the bachelor party. Oh, okay. He, he did that long ago. He's having surgery this week. He waited. He's had a torn ACL for, like, a month and a half, and he waited until after the bachelor party to have the surgery. Smart. So, very smart. <laughs> he just powered through with a knee brace. Um, no major injuries, meaning no irreparable damage to the body. That is going to last more than maybe Wednesday of this week. And for the record, because uh, you know, speaking for the doctor on the show, I, I do not, I do not condone um, waiting a month to get an ACL repaired in your knee. Just so everybody understands that. If you're trying to play baseball, maybe not. But if you're trying to just have a fun weekend. So we had obviously just some housekeeping and a little bit of recapping of what went down over the weekend. Obviously, the BP Crew event was on Saturday. Um, it was, uh, you know, we missed you there. I know a lot of people were talking about the, um, where, I mean, you couldn't deny where, where the hell that you weren't there. I mean, that was, that was, that was a topic of conversation. I'm not going to lie. Um, JJ didn't help matters with a shirt. Yeah. I was going to say who, whose fault is that? I think JJ could have helped himself if he actually had a darker colored, um, text yes. on the gray shirt. Didn't yes. help himself because when he got on the jumbotron at Yankee Stadium, <laughs> the um, you couldn't see it as much. You know the contrast that you had to fight through that uh, that gray white contrast. It's not easy. So uh, I think he's an he's an idea man. He's not an execution guy. Right. If I had known about this, I feel like I could have helped. <laughs> but um, the it was a lot of fun. We we again just like uh, you know the majority of them, we a lot of very familiar faces, a lot of new faces. Um, but a really a good time had by all the Yankees won. I think the most important thing, although we were getting no hit for four innings. So it was a little, it was, a, the mood was a little weird for, for a few innings, you know, as there's no offense, um, you can't get like insane about things, but then it opened up and, uh, and was a blast. It really was a good time. So I found it very, uh, endearing that JJ checked in on me. Much more this weekend than anyone else in my life. <laughs> my, I got like one text from my mom on Sunday morning being like, how was it? Yeah. Leanne texted me a couple times, but JJ all weekend on Twitter, where's Andrew? Where's Andrew? He was very concerned about my whereabouts. And I thought, I thought that was cute. I also thought, I also thought, you know, he wished he was invited. I think, I think that we found out so. he, he felt a little left out. I know he had fun at the event. The event looked awesome. I did have a little FOMO because 
that's the first event since we started doing them that I've missed. Yeah. Uh, you've had to miss some for various Hurricane reasons. Hurricane, illness. Health, health, and yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the first one I had to miss. Uh, I uh, For a second, some of the guys were like, hey, surprise, we rented a bus. We're driving down to the Bronx <laughs> today. And I'm like, it's 4.30 right now. I don't think we're going to make it, yeah. but um yeah it it was it was a lot of i'm not gonna lie it was fun funny to watch those all the stuff going up on twitter yeah made me miss everybody wish i was there made, made me just can't wait for the july event pretty much is just get back into it with everyone there you go is. okay you're you need to shut up for a minute now there's right. a lot of rambling happening um the, the, the we're gonna i don't tell you to shut up when i'm leaving. <laughs> yeah but you just had a bachelor party so we're we're uh you can you can take this the and by the way it's it's i i i appreciate that leanne didn't text you a hundred times during the, the weekend i think i think a lot of guys going through their bachelor party would say that is a that is a very good sign right there you know it was like twi- Let the twice guys a have day. Their weekend. One, once in the morning and once like late afternoon okay so we have some uh just quick housekeeping events that are coming up obviously the july 20th uh, is the next bp crew again event against colorado uh, that's at Yankee Stadium. July sixth is the is actually the next one if you look at the calendar. Um, but that is for the invasion at Tampa. We're going to Tampa. We're invading the place. Uh, the T-shirt design I'm very excited for. We got some props this time. It's going to be a blast. So if you are still on the fence for whatever reason, get off the fence. Buy the tickets. Uh, they're they're going to be on sale probably this week, and that's it. I'm going to get some extra shirts. Uh, so we can hopefully accommodate everybody, but get them this week. July 6th is the event. And Andrew, why don't you tell us about the watch party on June 29th for the London games? Yes. Watch party tavern 29 in the city. It's um, it's next weekend, next Saturday. We're I'm going to be there around 1230. First pitch is at one o'clock. We have an area in the bar uh, that we're going to have. So just come in, look around, take, take a 360 view. You'll see us. And it's going to be a fun time. I, I think we have about 30 people confirmed, and who knows, more people might roll in throughout the afternoon. I tweeted Jim Larris to tell him to come around. I don't, I don't know if he's going to come. Oh, that's good. He doesn't get invited to Yankee Stadium for Old Timers Day, but he does right. get invited to no, our watch right. parties. He felt left out, so yeah. I, I wanted to include him. Absolutely, you should. He's the king, uh, king of New York right there. So, um, All right, cool. So let's get into some of these games. We had an eight-game winning streak. That was very, very good. I think when you look at what just happened this past week with, uh, with sweeping Tampa and getting into um, Houston and taking three or four, you know, not, not really taking yesterday's game with Jay Happ's debacle um, and using that as the emotional bar, but, but looking at the grand scheme of things, eight-game winning streak. Um, that was pretty damn good, especially after we, you know, we talked about this last time, but after losing eight of 11, you come back and you win, um, and sweep against Tampa, obviously division foe. And then Houston, who, you know, we lost some, some pretty bad games, uh, some, some tough games early in the season to them. So I think it was important that we got back. I've, we each said this might be the most important homestand of this entire season. And so far they've taken six out of seven games. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's, it's some more than what you'd sign up for. Losing, uh, losing the the game on Sunday when you looked at the entire weekend with Verlander versus Hap, you're probably already conceding that game just going into it. I know that you can't really you, baseball doesn't work like that. Everything changes day to day, but you're gonna face Verlander. It's gonna be a tough day. Hap sucked, so that was just a wash from the beginning. But you take three out of four, and you pretty much could have taken two out of three from Houston earlier in the season. So you, you you backed it up and proved that you can beat this. I know they're dealing with injuries. Yeah. I know Houston's dealing with injuries, but they're still very Correa, talented Springer, team. the two guys that they're they're missing. 
Um, they played some sloppy this baseball. Guy, was it uh, Jordan Alvarez? Yeah, I mean, he was. He okay, was a so wrecking they just crew. found they found a new superstar. Pretty much. Okay, great. Much. Yeah, twenty one years old too, I believe. Nice. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a hell of a weekend, and you know, we'll just run through some of these games and talk about uh, some of the storylines they're heading in. But um, Friday, I'm sorry, Thursday night, it was a four game set. So Thursday was, you know, it was the continuation of the the Gary and Glaber show because these guys. Uh, both homeward for the second straight game. They were dominant. Gary hit a ball that is still traveling to the moon. Um, and we got the, uh, you know, the old Chad Cortez Jr. start from uh, from the bullpen. And again, it set us off because, you know, this was a this was a big game to me because when you're looking at a four game set and you're starting the the series with the opener, you know, the opener situation, the cat Chad Cortez Jr. situation, it's dangerous. It could go bad fast. And if that does go bad fast, then you're putting yourself behind the eight ball for the entire series. But, um, you know, they did they did uh, they did well, not as well as they had in the past, but I think good enough. Yeah, what well, totaled five innings and two runs, hits, I believe two runs. Yeah, which look, look at the next night. What um, what Paxton gave you a five inning start? Yeah. Right. So, yeah, when you think of it that way, I think with an opener, it's it. it Depends how you think of it, right? If you look at what the two guys that they had a plan for did, then it's it is kind of like a starting pitcher. I, I do you think they're just getting lucky now? They're what are they six and zero now or five and zero with with this setup? They haven't lost with it. They haven't lost with it. Do you think? Do you think it's just a little luck because some of these games, all of these games, really the offense like pummels the ball. Yeah, it seems like it always works out that way where they have a big lead at some point when they're using the opener. So I think this is a different situation where the regular, if you're if you're looking at what um, other teams do with this opener situation, let I me mean, take take the Rays for instance, they do it on multiple days. You can't really line up those guys, the same guys on on a um, on a daily basis if you're doing it multiple times. If if you're doing it like the Yankees because they're doing it for one start, um, you're you're lining up the same guys. You know what you're kind of getting from uh, Chad Green, and ultimately, if you're looking for two innings from him, you know. He's been very consistent, honestly, with these two innings. And he's he's yeah. been ever since ever since he's come into this role, you know, he's been back to that dominant Chad Green. And when Nestor Cortez comes in there, he's giving you these, you know, this this different look. Um, he's eating the innings. There's not a lot of guys making good contact off of him. So, you know, getting two to three to four innings out of him is not a stretch anymore, I don't think. Isn't it interesting how this is more like the role that Joe Girardi used Chad Green in? Not that Chad Green ever opened, but just the amount of days that he's pitching and the time off in between outings is more like 2017 than 2018. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I, I think it's, you know, maybe that's the, the Girardi did have the formula with the, as much as much crap as we maybe, gave maybe him. It's a, maybe it's a mental thing for Chad Green just to, to get it in his head when I'm pitching so I can be ready, what I can do in between, who knows? It's not, it's not far-fetched to say it's a physical thing. I mean, the guy started – he was a starting pitcher at one point. He, that's how he started his career. He was the guy that had this, this routine in between his start. So now that it's, it's cut down, it's, it's, the, uh, you know, it's not all there as far as the workload, but he's also getting that rest as well. So it, it very well could be a, um, a, a thing for his body where he could get back to that place where he's repeat, repeating his, his uh, mechanics and getting to the right spots all in. And that's what was problem. That was the, one of the biggest problems for him is that he was not mechanically right. And then it got into his head. 
So I know uh, based on, we're going to have injury updates later, but Herman is throwing bullpens, right? Yes. No, he's throwing. He, it looks like he's, he's really ramping back up um, to get, uh, I think they're projecting that they could see him, uh, you know, bef- in the subway series, July, early July at some point. What are the chances that he becomes the second pairing with Chad Green and then they use Chad Green twice in a five-man rotation as the opener and then until they can get more starting pitchers healthy or trade for a starting pitcher, you have Nestor Cortez with Chad Green and Domingo Herman with Chad Green. Nestor Cortez or David Hale or whichever that guy is because yeah. it's going to be and a Herman's roster still there, like They're still going to have to manage Herman's innings. He's still not going to just go back into the rotation and make every fifth day start six-plus innings. It's not going to happen. Right. So just talking about that quickly, the, um, the Domingo Herman – this is from Brian Hoke. Uh, he's been on the 10-day injured list since June 9th the, with the hip flexor, um, and we know it's been bothering him since since May that his start in Kansas City. But he was given a cortisone shot on June 11th, um, and he started playing catch again on June 17th. But he's been tossing bullpen sessions uh, this past week. He's been running bases. You know, all these things are, are looking good for him. Uh, to come back. So they're probably now stretching him out, making sure that the arm is, is all. And everything he's saying is that he feels really good. He feels strong. He feels healthy. And uh, and that's a good thing, yeah. obviously. Get that lower half. Because is fake. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, um, but qu- a couple other quick ones. Ben Heller also started uh, rehab in Tampa. So that's another big arm that's coming back. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Um, so, you know, that, that road is uh, is unclear on how, how, he'll, how he'll look coming back. But he's started that... Um, you know, the rehab stint, so he's actually in games. He's been throwing for a little while now. And Severino, again, we're, we're looking after the All-Star break, but he's been throwing uh, from, you know, 105 feet, the, the distances that we all hear. And and they're hoping that <laughs> he's throwing. He's been throwing from Manhattan to the to the Bronx. It's 700 feet. The, the, the report is that throw. The report is distances as great as 105 feet. Great, but um, Scale, start scaling it back to 60 feet six inches, please. Uh, and, and that's where he's next. So he's scheduled to throw from a mound. Uh, you know, at some point this week, I think. So, you know, all these things are really good. Obviously, these are all pitching updates, which is what we want. You know, we want these pitching updates. Um, but that's that's all the injuries now. Yeah, that's we, all the well, we've gotten to a point other than Cameron Maybe we've gotten we've got to a point where um, the big the big guys are back. So that'll be good. Obviously, when those guys come back, gives us more flexibility in the rotation in the bullpen. Um, I do think they're going to do some some funky stuff with uh, with Chad Green and and um, and Herman and Cortez slash Hale. All those guys can give them a little bit of length more than, uh, you know, your standard bullpen guy. So it'll be interesting how Boone you know, shakes that out. The Glaber and Gary show again, this was the third game in a row uh, where they both homered. And that was the mammoth shot. I called that that Gary hit one that was going to the moon on Thursday. It actually was the one on Friday that I was thinking of. And that was when Paxton started to give five innings. Um, But, but talking about Paxton quickly, I, I thought Paxton was, was good ish. <laughs> Again, we're, we're, we're looking for back-to-back starts from him. That, that can be something that we could take positives. He threw a hundred pitches. He had some swings and misses, struck out seven guys, walked three. Obviously we want that cleaned up because when you're walking three guys in five innings, not so good. Yeah. So uh, this is, um, he got into the sixth inning, right? Yep. And then they pulled him when it, when a guy got on base. Yes. It is still just a lot of pitches to even get get the strikeouts too. Because I was 
Well, that's, when, when that's you, where a lot of – yeah, when you when you have a lot of strikeouts, you're going to throw a lot of pitches. Seven strikeouts and three walks. So that's a lot of non-contact. And then that, that means just a lot of pitches. So I know he's a fast four-seam fastball guy. He, he also relies on a, a fastball up, which can get a lot of weak fly balls. But we're really not seeing that. It, 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 so the, the pitches are piling up into the fifth inning. And I don't know. Is he a guy they, – they're not going to push any of their starters deeper than like 100-ish pitches. Well, not right now, especially not Paxton. Not with, the, not with the injury history that he's got. And obviously, you know, he just came back from, uh, from dealing with more – just being beat up. And, and I think that – you know, he's had freak injuries, but he's also had a, a variety of injuries. So that's, that's, they're definitely going to be careful with him because if they're going to move forward, we've talked about this Paxton and Tanaka need to take that next level and, and step up and, and be that one and two, because we don't know when Severino is coming back. We don't know if he's going to be back at all, let alone fully healthy and, and the guy that we can really depend on. We just don't know. I'm not saying that he can't be, I'm not saying that he won't be. It's just an, a very big unknown at this point because, again, he's throwing from 105 feet. He's not throwing from a mound even yet. So, um, you know, we're waiting to see how he ramps up, and hopefully there's no setbacks. If we're going to see more openers or even an, a consistent one-time opener, Paxton and Tanaka are going to have to go deeper than five innings. It's just otherwise it won't work. The bullpen will be absolutely toasted by the time September rolls around because if you try and use Britton and Adovino and Canely and Chapman every night – for like four out of five rotations, they're screwed. Yeah, We're seeing some of these guys start to, I, I think, just tire at this point in the season. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a it's a really good point because the one guy who's been driving me kind of nuts is um, is Britain. And when I'm seeing, when I see Britain and, and what we signed, I mean, obviously, you're looking at 2015, 2016 was the, the big year that he had, but both all-star years. You're looking at those and you're like, okay, can we get some semblance of that? I'm not, we're not, we're not looking for that because I mean, he was literally one of the, he had one of the the best seasons of, of any um, relief pitcher in the history of baseball uh, in 2016. This, like the guy was phenomenal and uh, unbelievable. So are you really expecting that? No, but are you expecting a, a very, you know, maybe, maybe split the difference and, and get close to a, a guy that can go out there effectively throw strikes and, and get those ground balls like he's supposed to do. And, and that's what you're looking for. And to me, what I'm, what I'm seeing that's concerning about him is the, is the walk ratio. I pulled some numbers. I did some stats. I did a stat thing. Mm, look at you. Um, 2015, and I, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm looking at his two all-star years just as a bar. I'm like, I, I understand that they don't have to be this point. But it's, a, it's an interesting comparison because in 2015, and I'm looking at walks per nine and strikeouts uh, per walk. So the strike um, walks per nine, 1.9, this is 2015, and 5.64 strikeouts per walk. 2016, he was at 2.4 walks per nine and 4.1 strikeouts per walk. This year, 2019, we're looking at five walks per nine. Huge difference, like glaring, glaring difference, and 1.39 strikeouts per walk. So, I mean, to me, when I'm looking at these numbers, they're very, very clear, like what the difference is in this guy. He's not throwing strikes. And that's a big problem. Yeah. And I almost feel like the walks also happen in bunches. You hear of hits in bunches, but you don't normally hear walks in bunches. But he comes in and he either has the strike zone or he doesn't have the strike zone. Yeah. And, and today, the, or what the, um, his, his last couple of appearances in Houston, he had, I think, five total walks on, on, on what it was Friday and, uh, and, and Sunday. And I know one of them was an intentional, or I'm sorry, on Saturday. I know one of them, one of them was an intentional. Boone actually loaded the bases uh, to, to to force Houston. And 
and he got out of it. He got out of it. It was a sinking long line drive to Aaron Judge that all of us collectively held our breath and like gave a like a, a gasp, like because it, it looked like it was going to drop from where we were in 205. Um, but thankfully, Aaron Judge is a savior and and a god, and he caught the ball. Uh, but but it's concerning because he's walking guys, not throwing strike zones. I think I saw that he threw um, like 13 of 25, I believe, pitches for strike. So you're not seeing that high rate of strike throwing from him. And when that's the case, you're going to get more balls, I think, elevated because you're missing the zone. Guys are going to sit on pitches more and they're not going to be, you know, fooled by 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 the hard sinking stuff that he normally has that gets those ground balls. So is it is it fatigue with Britain? And I know Adovino has has struggled really the last like three weeks where he hasn't looked like the same Adovino with some walks. Canely's had a couple of outings that he hasn't looked right. Is it fatigue with them? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, otherwise, I don't know what else it could be. No, I think I think again with fatigue comes mechanical breakdowns because when your when your legs get tired, when your when your you know upper body gets tired or whatever it is, you can get out of sync a lot more easily. You can't feel your body as much. Um, or as well as you could if you were in in, uh, in good physical shape. I was very jealous of you guys for that game, not only because it looked like a ton of fun in the stands and everything, you guys got a back-and-forth game. When, when I think back to all of the games that we've had a, a BP event at, this might be the most exciting from just a baseball standpoint. Yeah, no, it was, it was, a, it was a very good back-and-forth game in the, from the fourth inning on. <laughs> After we, after we, after Wade Miley stopped throwing a no hitter against us and Gio Urshela hit that, uh, uh, it was a two run home run. Um, again, I've told you, I've, t- I've talked about this in the past. Like when we have these events, it's very difficult for me to understand what's happening on the, on the field just cause I'm, I just, I don't, I don't stop talking. I, I'm, I have, di- as my mother said, I have diarrhea of the mouth. So I just, I, I talk to as many people as I can cause it's fun. And, and I, uh, you know, look forward to that. Um, but yeah, Gio Urshela did broke up the no hitter. And, and then it, it seemed to, the, everything seemed good at that point, right? Like it went Flood back. Floodgates opened at that point. Floodgates opened, but then Jonathan Holder came in and, and, and of course with a lead, gave up the lead immediately um, and, and put the, uh, put Houston back into the game and on top. And, you know, we're getting, we're getting home runs from places that are not expected. Gio Urshela, I think it was his sixth of the year. Uh, Austin Romine comes, you know, gives us the, uh, ties the game back up again. So, yes, it was a lot of fun going back. Stanton had some big hits, not home runs, singles with runners in scoring <clears throat> position, singles that were direct carbon copies of each other, essentially. Yes. And, and it's almost it's almost fortunate because, um, you know, it, they're coming off the glove and, and trickling into the outfield and allowing uh, a second runner to score on, on one of them. And you're looking at um, just I, I think fortunate because if they give the ball gets through, um, there's a there's a high possibility only one run comes in. So. And they were both counted as hits. I always thought maybe the first one was going to be an error. But but I think mentally for Stanton, who after day one goes 0 for 4 and hears a couple of boos, and Stanton hadn't really had any 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 moments yet. I mean, uh, he did have, have multiple. S- he had three or four, four, three, four hits uh, the other night. So it's not like he wasn't – he hadn't had driven in a run yet, hadn't hit in a home run. So the production those wasn't two hits, Those two hits, the Yankees don't win that game without those two hits. Yeah. So those, those, are, those are big hits for Stanton. Uh, hopefully can springboard him. Because it's almost – it's kind of funny. They get Stanton back, and for three days, Stanton is back and everything, and then Judge comes back, and no one gives a shit about Stanton anymore. Well – Speaking about Judge, he has started off relatively slow at the plate, and we had this conversation last episode. What's it going to take? What kind of an offer is it going to take for Aaron Judge to get booed at Yankee Stadium? I said, 
probably nothing. Like nobody's going to boo this guy. Um, you said maybe 25, 26. And uh, I think we both agreed that it would have to be in the, in the right circumstances for that to happen. I didn't hear any boos. I didn't hear anything for him. He cut down a runner um, that was a big play. I think it was, it was Tanaka's uh, last out um, and cut down a runner at second base, a laser to, um, to cut down Stassi at second base. And, uh, you know, whether he's producing at the plate or in the field, the guy's productive and he's just a presence out there. So, yeah, I don't see him getting booed. He was still on base and scored a couple runs. I would say that he would have to come back from London and then back from that Mets series and still not have a hit. And then maybe some asshole out in the bleachers <laughs> will, will give him a boo yeah. and then get a beer dumped on him. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so I don't even I don't even see that scenario playing out. Like I think this guy is is invincible. Um, Susan and John, I was I was listening to them for all of Old Timers Day. Yeah, they, they had a rough game. Yeah, no, it wasn't John on Old Timers. It was Sweeney and and Susan for Old Timers Day. It was actually very entertaining. It was um just straight entertainment. Like you don't you don't really care what's happening uh, production wise on the field, but these guys are getting interviews with all the old guys. A lot of fun. Um, but they were talking about Bernie Williams being one of the only guys. That's not booable, and they were they were talking about it, like Derek Jeter got booed. They, so they were talking about these 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 guys that See, did I don't get even booed. Remember really Jeter getting? Booed. I don't remember it much either. But um, from what Susan says, you know, booed. Uh, Bernie, no boos, no boos. Okay, I, Bernie was a great great player, and he was. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just mild mannered guy? People are like, uh, I'm not. Yeah, gonna how the hell are you Bernie ever Williams? gonna boo boo? I can't burr Booney Williams. Boo yeah, Bernie it's Williams. It's uh he's he's he get he's the guy that went about his business flawlessly and he was like the the model athlete to go out there. He wore glasses in the outfield for God's sakes, not rec specs, glasses. <laughs> so the the guy was out there running in glasses. They were probably moving all over the place, still tracking down balls. I was listening Sunday afternoon on the drive home from the bachelor party to the to the game itself, the Sunday afternoon game. And John had a rough game. He misdiagnosed three home runs in the first three innings. So according to John Sterling, the Yankees had a lead in that game early. So, so that was nice to hear, except then you heard the actual score and it wasn't the real score. The Hicks one, I know it was a very close home run uh, foul ball. He got all the way to it is gone. Oh, I heard it. I, he go, I heard that one. I was listening before to him. he slipped in. Oh, oh, it's foul. <laughs> what? Come on, John. He had Luke Voigt turning a double play when there were already two outs. It was a rough one for John, and I kind of give him a pass because he was emceeing the event. It's a sunny day out. It's hot. He's wearing a suit. He's going to be 81 in like a week. That's a, that's a long day, four-game series against Houston late nights. So I gave John Sterling a pass. He, John Sterling called that game like I was feeling. So I kind of <laughs> felt it was like a kinship. Yeah, you bonded over the over the struggle. I, I heard the, the Hicks home run. It was gone, like gone definitely i waited we waited gone. i was driving in the car with my buddy we waited until he said gone and then we high-fived and then he goes it's false you gotta be freaking <laughs> kidding me you could do, i couldn't do anything but laugh at that one i was like you so uh, i like i did the whole shake my hand I, I basically like did the whole get off my lawn uh fist in, in the air when i heard that um but yeah no he had a rough day it was uh but the, the it was it was a very tough call you know who didn't have a rough day uh, on sunday even though um, the Yankees did lose the losing streak. They lost nine to four. Hap had a horrible day. We'll talk about that. But you know who didn't have a, a horrible day? DJ LeMahieu. Verlander. DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu did not have a horrible day. He hit home run number ten. That's halfway, halfway, halfway. before the halfway point of the season, mind you. Halfway to twenty. 
the the uh, the 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 bar of twenty, the finish line of twenty. Although I think he's going to go higher than that. Um, but it was a beautiful home run because it was the exact home run, uh, and it was the exact reason why I said he was going to hit over twenty. That ball scraped the wall. I mean, just barely got over the wall. Barely looked like he he hit it, and it was a home run. It was perfect. Yes, you're right. He has picked up his pace, but they've also played more home games, so that's that's an out in other ballparks. Yeah, I mean, I don't care. That's why he's at home and then home <laughs> runs. That's his reason. You can't you can't use my reason against me. It only took up until June 23rd for someone to start the narrative on Twitter that I hate DJ LeMahieu. Oh no, we've said this before. Yeah, we've said this before. Yeah, but people still—I I haven't seen it being uh, being put out there yet. So I'm yeah, glad I'm go. glad that people finally recognize it. You know, I don't yep. know what you have against freckled kids. The, the, you know, kids with a lot of freckles. I have freckles. I mean, do you hate me? Is that it? Is that is this I don't, it? Are you mirroring? I don't hate. I don't hate DJ LeMahieu nearly as much as I hate Ronald Torres. That's but, true. Yeah, <laughs> but still, freckled kids no. and short guys. I don't. You're listen. You're, once it, well, I'm going to root against DJ LeMahieu hitting home runs just to be right and you to be wrong. But as soon as he hits 20, maybe he should just hit 30 at that point. Oh yeah, because then I'm gonna take down Frank. Once I take you down, I gotta take Frank's uh, that bet down at 25. 25. The one that I had a couple couple too many for. Um, but no, he was he was good. He he you know. It, Kid barely missed the cycle. I, I know people don't. So the, the cycle is like the batting average, apparently, for lots of people. David Cohn won't even like talk about it. He, Would you rather have a cycle or a three home run game? Um, probably three home run game. Two two, uh, two home run game or the cycle? The cycle. Okay, so that's that's like the cutoff. Give me red. You'd rather have. Yeah. Would you rather have the cycle or two homers and two doubles? <laughs> This is stupid. Uh, I would rather have the cycle. I could go all day, baby. I would rather have the cycle. Give me something that actually uh, that, that I can name. Um, so J-Hap was bad, really bad. And Very this is bad. the first loss that he's had since early May. I mean, people wouldn't think that, but it is. The The guy has been fortunate, I think, with, uh, with some run support. Um, but he's also been much better as of uh, before Sunday. Sunday, he was bad. Four innings, eight earned runs, 11 hits two strikeouts and three home runs, including a grand slam. Not good. Not good. Um, I listened to some of his comments after the game and he was essentially saying some of the soft, soft stuff was, was decent, but all the hard stuff got hit. Everything got hit. And uh, it was a, he was trying some things out new. He's going to scrap the game. He confident that he'll be back later. I don't necessarily understand what that means. Like he was, he was trying new things in this game as far as like the repertoire and, and, you know, how he was cycling through pitches, but whatever it was, they do need to throw it away because it didn't work. Yeah. Why was he trying something new? If you look at his last five starts, 28 innings, 23 hits, 11 earned runs, that's a 3.54 ERA. The Yankees were four and one in those five starts. Yeah. That is kind of what the J-Hap that they signed up for those five starts. So why are you trying something new? Well, I mean, you know, I think there's, there's probably an element of uh, maybe he didn't feel it. And, and, and there was an, uh, some luck or, you know, just an element of luck and, and good fortune that he got through some of those things, but he wasn't feeling it to the extent that he wanted to. So he's still as the, you know, the, the professional that he, that he is, is trying to tinker with it and, and get it right in his own body and feel good about it. So I don't know. It's strange. It was a hearing his comments afterwards were a little off to me. The, the way that the way that it was and how dismissive of the start he was. If you're looking for, for something that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's relatively positive about that. It's, it's that it was something different and that he's going to throw it away and that should, shouldn't happen again. But it's concerning in the, in the sense that 
the production was awful, very awful. And, you know, it was a, another big Yankees day that was ended in, uh, in, 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 a, in a blowout, really. It was a terrible game. The only reason it wasn't a blowout was because Luis Sessa actually kept them in a game um, going in and eating up four innings. So, you know, whether you see that as mop-up duty in the sense it was still against a good team and against a good lineup, um, positive signs for him, I guess. Next start for J-Hab would come Sunday in uh, London. Do you think that happens? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, the, and you know, I mean, you're saying that it might not happen and, and they'll give somebody else? I think it absolutely happens. No, I mean, you could just push because of so many off days. I think they could push it so they could have someone else make that start. I don't know. It almost, yeah, it almost seems like J-Hap would be like a perfect guy for that London series, honestly. I feel like that, um, you know, I feel like that, that that moment, you want a veteran guy in, in those moments. Like Tanaka is slated to throw. Um, it would be, I would want Tanaka or you're looking at a you know, veteran like CeCe or even Happens, I think is fine. I think they, they would all handle the moment well. Yeah, I guess from, yeah, sure. They're all veterans. But, but uh, I don't know, it's just because of the off days, I didn't know if they were going to tinker with it because they could and, and Hap just is coming off maybe – Maybe his worst start of the season. As oh, definitely. He's so bad against Baltimore in four of his starts, but this, this was very, very ugly. You know, from the first batter, I looked at the replay on the Altuve home run. It was like an 84-mile-an-hour, I think, changeup down the middle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you're looking at Altuve who jumps on pitches. I mean, the one guy who is very, very well-known for jumping on pitches, um, you know, early in the game, early in the count. Like, the guy is ready to go and, and is aggressive early on. So uh, not the guy that you want to do that to. Sunday, uh, also the old-timers day. I want to talk about this for a little bit. Mariano's first appearance, right? We're looking at old-timers day. Old-timers day is a fun day. It's a fun day for, for, for the fans to get out there, to see the guys they haven't seen in a while. You know, we're starting to see a lot more of these 90s guys. It, it, pretty much the day is like, you know, being taken over by a lot of these 90s guys. And I think that the majority of the fans that are in the stadium um, are, are probably the adults that have kids now and, and uh, live through these 90s era. And those are their guys. Those are the guys they want to see out. And Mariano coming back for the first time, obviously getting inducted into the Hall of Fame um, next month. It was fun to see. And he did everything. He gave, he gave everybody a show. And that's, uh, that's kind of what you're looking for. It was fun to see him out there. Yeah, he, uh, I saw the replay of him throwing like just absolute gas to Luis Soho. Yeah. Uh, you knew like he on Instagram, you, you saw the video of him warming up in like his backyard or something. So you knew he was going to bring it. Um, I don't think he does. He knows anything else. He doesn't know anything different, but to bring it. And of course we got the jokes. Oh, can Mariano still pitch in the majors? Yeah. Mariano can still pitch in the majors. We (laughs) all, we all know that he could pitch when he retired and he just was like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I've done this for a long time. So yes, he could still pitch. It is the summer of Mariano, like the summer of George. This is the summer of Mariano. It is. It is. The first batter he faced because uh, he kind of came in and, and surprised Paul O'Neill, which I thought was was very fitting. O'Neill's up there and says, well, you know what? Uh, I, I forget who was pitching before that, but Mariano comes in, enters Sandman and, and busts him on the hands. Uh, he shakes his hand like it's like it, his hand like got broken. It, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was fun to watch the, the back and forth. Mariano came in and he played center field, caught a ball in center field and hit and hit a Scott Kamenecki, who is looking his age through through a ball down the gut and and mariano just hit a laser up the middle and um i don't even know who the, who was playing center field but he wasn't fast was it jeff nelson i think it might have been field? jeff nelson that 
they're all playing out of position. So they're jogging. He was walking to the ball. Yeah, so. and I was listening honestly to the to the broadcast, and uh, at that point, who knew what was going on? But I knew that he hit a seed, and and just kept running the bases. So it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun for him. I think coming back, and uh, he was definitely the the man of the hour for that entire thing. Is it weird for you that the the '90s guys are now playing in the old timers' day? No, I'm over. I mean, I, they've been playing for a while now, so we've seen we've seen a lot of these guys come or back. We've seen some of the other ones, yeah. So I, I it, they're not all consistently coming back. I think some of the like Tino didn't come back this year um, because I, he, you know, he's taking a uh, he's doing stuff with Jeter. Posada isn't actually Tino didn't take the the job, right? Like he's he's doing he's going back and forth. I feel like he's still helping Jeter out. Posada officially took the role. Um, in uh in miami so there's there's obviously like maybe a conflict there i don't know they're probably just going to wait that out so you're not seeing all these guys come back um consistently but you're seeing and then you're seeing the uh, you know the the role players uh, the freaking scott harrison's of the world who get traded over in 09 you're seeing 09 guys come back like that's weird yeah i, th- I think sometimes they're they just have to fill a roster so they <laughs> they put out the invite to a lot of different guys except jim lyrics except jim lyrics who's still it's not weird and for always me there because because i still think when I think of Mariano or Derek Jeter or any of those guys, I still can put myself in my 12 year old self. So it's not weird. You know, I think back to those memories. I think what down the line, once like Aaron judge makes his Yankees old timers debut, it is going to be an absolute mind bleep because I'm going to think, well, there's no way I could think of myself as anything but a grown ass adult watching Aaron judge. So, so I really don't have a problem with, uh, with judge. He's like probably the one the one guy that I, I look at and I'm, I know later in, in life one, I'm going to be much older when those guys are old timers day. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to really care about the age thing anymore. I feel like that's that to me, that's, that's kind of over with. Like, I know what I'm dealing with now. These guys, Aaron Judge is you know, the, the generational talent quote unquote. Um, and if you're looking at that phrase, who was overusing the off season for a guy that's disappointing all of Philadelphia right now, uh, I, you know, you don't take that lightly and, but I think he is, he's going to be most likely the next captain, uh, in pinstripes, I think. And he's just the guy that's going to be a forever Yankee. Um, so I, I have a, a very high level of appreciation. And I think the way that you go about your business, you know, you age be damned at that point. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think who it was, uh, talking about the, um, he was a, a Yankee in the seventies. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting who it was, who was actually talking, but anyway, he was talking about the one guy that he on, only admired and he had one piece of memorabilia and that it was Bernie Williams. And he had a, a signed picture of Bernie Williams. And this is a guy who played in the seventies and, and admired the the people underneath him. And I think that's what I, what I have for, um, uh, for judge and, and maybe a couple other guys. And I, and that's how I'll look at them down the line. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Time will tell. It's- I thought it was going to be it's it isn't really weird that all the like most of the players are all younger than me like all of the kids who came up over the last couple seasons are all younger than me. I I I was thinking it was going to be weird, but it's not. You just root for him. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Uh, all right, so let's get into some uh Cam- wrap Cameron up, Maben first. Wrap Talk, up the Cameron, injuries real quick. Cameron Maben. Cameron Maben has been unbelievable all season. We have not stopped raving about this guy. And we knew that there were going to be very tough decisions coming in when, when judge came back and, and that everybody was concerned that Mayburn was going to be the guy that was released essentially or traded away or whatever. Um, but not on the team. Unfortunately, that, that was a moot point because he, um, he came up with an injury. He is, uh, had a serious calf strain and now he's going to be out most likely, you know, a couple months, most likely six weeks plus. So, Really unfortunate way that Cameron maybe went down because he was playing so well. He deserved to be playing baseball, whether it was with the Yankees or another team. 
the guy earned every single penny that he that he uh, that he earned this season and was unbelievable. So it's really he an made, unfortunate it's it's an unfortunate ending to the Cameron Maven time in Yankees pinstripes because you got to figure that's what it is. But he he was he made the cut. <laughs> they, they didn't send him down or they didn't do anything with him when Judge came back. So he stayed on the team. Who knows? It was situational, maybe though. That, it was a, that was a roster it was, move. Maybe it was situational, and then after London, they do something with Cameron Mabin. But but we don't know. We'll never know. We'll never it's know. so unfortunate for him. Yeah. So unfortunate. And it solves the fifth outfielder problem yeah. that, that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm guessing they might call up another position player for London. I'll be interesting to see if it's Clint Frazier um, or who it is. If it's Mike Talkman and not Clint Frazier, it's a boy. defensive move. That's it. I mean, but that that shows you what the what the what they're there for. It's a if Mike Talkman gets pulled up instead of Clint Frazier, it's a defense move. They needed another outfielder, and they obviously don't trust Clint Frazier and his defense. So it'll be interesting how that works. But I, I do think it's going to be another pitcher. I, I think with this with the schedule being weird and and just I know there's off days, but it's still. Yeah, it's you can just do different. more position players because everyone's going to get two days off going into that London series. So if you call up another pitcher, you're not going to use that guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I guess a Boston series, uh, you you want that extra bat, I guess, to, to to play the matchups when you can to take advantage of those, especially if you have a rested bullpen who's much better than their bullpen. That would seemingly be the move. And you know, pretty good damn bat down in the minor leagues right now with Clint Frazier, who is. Uh, um, you know, comes back with a vengeance too. As soon as he gets sent down, hits a hits a freaking moon ball um, in in Scranton, as as you would expect, because you know, guy plays perfect with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, a couple more un- injury updates. Um, actually, I talked about those. Ben Heller and Severino coming back soon. <laughs> awesome. To stop you. you stop yourself. <laughs> Here we go. With uh, we're gonna get into some mailbags. First one is from Glenn Johnson. This is where in our Facebook group in 2019, the Yankees are batting 293 with runners in scoring position as a team. Last year, they hit 253 with runners in scoring position. The last two teams to lead Major League Baseball in hitting with runners in scoring position have won the World Series. What does that mean to you? Yeah, so he just posted this in the group, but I thought this is a great uh, preface for a question. What's the biggest difference? Um, There are certain guys that you put in here. LeMahieu, 470, he's been talked about as the risk god all season. But other guys as well, Gio Urshela and Clint Frazier, have both hit well with runners in scoring position in the 370s. Glaber Torres hitting 367 with runners in scoring position. We didn't see these kinds of batting averages out of anyone with runners in scoring position. And all of these guys have had ample opportunities also to, to get plate appearances with runners in scoring position. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not it's not a small sample size, and and I'm, I'm I love using the batting average here because it's convenient, and it, it it tells nerds to, you know, go away, go back in the tunnel, go hide in your tunnel, and you're looking at. I mean, when you see top when you see four four players in the top ten in runners in scoring position in the American League, that that's amazing. I mean, like literally, that is the change. If you made one change from last year's team, I feel like that would be my change. It would be hitting with runners in scoring position. They hit the so only one of ballpark. these guys. One of these guys was on the on the roster last year, f- like full time. Glaber Torres. Yeah, that's it. Glaber Torres, but he was also dealing with what we think is is a nagging hip injury, uh, second half of the year. So, and, and Clint Frazier's not even on this team, but he's had ample times with runs in scoring position up in the up in the Bronx as well. So, you know, good sample size. The fact that these guys are making contact at key opportunities, I love it. Um, we saw it again with Stanton now. Um, on on Saturday with with two massive singles that that drove in runs that were you know a key to the game. So 
they're coming up in big situations and, and it's not always with the home run ball. And that's huge. So, <clears throat> runners in scoring position, clutch stats, um, just to play devil's advocate here. There's no, no metric says that this will continue because analytics people don't believe in runners in scoring position. They believe that what you do is what you do. It doesn't matter who's on base, what the situation is, first inning, fifth inning, ninth inning. doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, this goes back to the whole conversation you were having with Robert Flores about, about clutch or, and if you believe in clutch and if you believe that a guy can get into a different feeling, a different position mentally, physically in a big situation, can he lower the heart rate? Can he get to the place where he's calm and can just uh, you know effectively execute his mechanics or does he tense up and do things a little bit differently? And I think that's a real thing. I personally absolutely believe in that. And I think when you see the guys who are doing it, you're seeing uh, Cliff Frazier with the the bat speed. We, we know he can get to a ball and uh, insanely fast and kind of make up for um, for for you know not seeing it as well. Uh, Lemayhu, who is just fundamentally sound everywhere, Urshela, who's been making a ton of contact, and then Gleyber Torres, I think, is is one of the the better pure hitters on this team um, that that we're expecting a massive year from. So I think we're seeing more of that control the strike zone, you know, uh, thing that that Boone talks about all the time and and making contact and. I don't know, man. Like, I do think in that moment, there are guys that can just bring it down a level. And it might be a philosoph, not philosophical. That's not the right word. It might be uh, something that was really talked about leading into the season and in spring training. Guys, as a unit, we need to be better in these situations. Yeah, but I, that's that's one of those that's a, that's easy to say, but hard to execute unless you have the the player. No, why you like, can, do, you we, can do, we, do we try harder? And when there's runners in score, but like, no, you can. You can practice something. How do you practice with runners and square? It's 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 a it's a tough thing to actually rep, replicate unless you're in the moment. That's that's the thing with runners and square position. It's hot. It's hard to 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 put a situation to practice in in high leverage situations. It's just you can't simulate difficult. pressure, right? You cannot simulate pressure, but you can simulate contact. Okay, on on this situation, I am going to hit the ball to right field or the opposite way, or just try and put bat on ball rather than trying to hit it to Monument Park. So that's that's where you practice it. That's the execution part. The the mechanical difference is is trying to spray the ball, go with the pitch, do what you can. And if you're practicing that, if you're practicing hitting the ball to all fields, that's 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 to me you can absolutely practice that. And if that becomes the more uh, of the approach we're shortening up the swing, just trying to get the bat on ball, like okay, I love that. If that's if that's the case if that's something they worked on, absolutely I think every baseball player ever in baseball should be should be working on that because it's an essential part of the game um but yeah it's good to see and it's going to be huge and if it can continue that's going to be probably the storyline one of the storylines in this um in this season that these guys were executing with runners in scoring position and if because if they could do that and take that into the playoffs like, there you go that's a big difference maker and and we can probably look to a lot of situations last year um where it failed us and and they didn't have uh good opportunities next one is from ben payne he says, does Gary have a shot at MVP? I think he definitely has a shot. He's not the leading contender right now for MVP, but if you just look at his ranks, amongst AL, for all offensive players, 23 home runs, leads the American League, 973 OPS, 153 OPS plus, and he's amassed 2.7 war, according to baseball reference, to this point in the season, and he leads catchers in everything. Every offensive metric, Gary Sanchez is leading home runs, RBI, slugging, OPS. He's been, a, he's been an absolute force. I think that there'll be uh, the, 
the people to detract from him. They'll, they'll talk about his framing and how he's actually not adding more value to the team because his framing has gone down and his, and his defensive advanced metrics are worse than the previous two seasons, even though eyeballs tell you otherwise. So they'll be, they'll be the detractors, but I don't know. Gary Sanchez has been one of the two most, one of the two key offensive players on this team to date, him and LeMahieu. When you're looking at the MVP votes, it's hard. It's going to be difficult for the for the Yankees, I think, to get that that guy in there at the top because of who's now coming back: Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and the amount of people that contributed in the first half. I think Sanchez absolutely is in the conversation when you see what he's doing defensively. And I have a feeling because the eyeball test doesn't fail me usually, we're going to see some of these defensive metrics catch up. And and, and I don't think they'll that narrative will be as as glaring as they think it is um, come the season because I think that. You know, from this for this uh, this this frame rate, I, I do believe there's a there's an element uh, there's too much human element in it. So I think we're going to see some some variance in there and come back to uh, to more of a positive side. But it's going to be difficult because the Yankees have so many dominant players, and if they keep this going, there's there's going to be so many people that you're looking at that that were top contributors that helped this team out, and especially with Judge coming back now, I feel like that hurts. You do so. The only saving grace, if we're just talking strictly MVP votes, catchers get a little bit extra credit, right? As they should, because they have the most physically demanding position on the field. And um, so, yeah, I, I think he absolutely warrants it because he's. I definitely look at him as a, a comeback player of the year. Like he's he's going to have that probably on, on lock if we're looking at, um, you know, what he came back from last year. Uh, just quickly on Gary Sanchez, I don't know if you saw that thread on Twitter. I, I forget the, the kid's name who tweeted it out, but I, I know it was posted in our Facebook group. Gary Sanchez has the little icons for all of the pitchers for, for his little cheat sheet yeah. on his on his um, forearm uh, thing. Yeah, so that was that was kind of fun. Uh, but he, so he, maybe that's him. Maybe that's the emojis coming back. It's, it's Gary Sanchez. Right. Who yeah. Brings him back yeah. in, in real life. Doesn't have him on Twitter. Brings him back in real life. Didi printed them out for him and then stuck him to his forearm. D- no, I think Didi drew them, right? Uh, Didi drew them. Yeah, that's true. And then made them into a sticker and then put them on there. Actually, Didi should have his own line of emojis. He should he should draw them and then create a, a Didi app. And a Didi app with an icon set. You're right. This is, yeah. This is uh, we could we could do this for him. Yeah. Business um, idea. No one steal it. <laughs> uh, last thing before we wrap up is um, uh, it's it's from at Jason A five twenty five. And this is talking more about pitching, more about the, the trade deadline. But should the Yankees be looking at Cleveland starters besides Bauer? I know Bauer's been one of the guys, him, uh, Mad Bum, and Scherzer have been, and, and uh, Marcus Stroman, who dominated the Red Sox and pissed off Dennis Eckersley, which I love, um, which made me kind of want him a little bit more, to tell you the truth. But uh, our, the other guy, should we be talking about Clevenger or Kluber? He says, I know Kluber is injured now, but Clevenger did come back off the DL, and Cashman has made deals with Cleveland before. Thoughts on those guys? <laughs> Clevenger just went back on the IL with an ankle sprain yep. like two days ago. Uh, I want if you're talking about and uh, Trevor Bauer was transferred to the 60 day injured list on uh, June 18th with a non displaced fracture of his right ulna bone. See, I'm playing doctor on this episode. If I'm going, except that to, you you meant Corey Kluber and not Trevor Bauer, but okay, you have to get the, the patient information is first and foremost, Andrew. First, Corey and foremost. Kluber is injured on the IL. Trevor Bauer is the pitcher I would most want from the Cleveland staff. It's go. It would take a lot. He is. Uh, he is. 
I believe still in arbitration or one one year left in arbitration. So Cleveland would would not give up give him up lightly. And I think also another sort of wrinkle in Cleveland is would they even consider taking Clint Frazier back? Is that something that they want to do? Would that just look poorly on them to have to take back a prospect they traded away a couple of years ago? So if that's the case and Clint Frazier is one of your biggest bargaining chips for for Brian Cashman is he even off the table for a potential Cleveland pitcher um it's, so I don't know he also I mean when we're when we're th- talking about Clint and just hearing some of the stuff he said too he has referenced and and brought up Cleveland as one of the places that he was you know not really truly understood or he had to do things differently like so he, I have a feeling he just said that about anybody I understand that but he did say it about Cleveland so I mean there there probably was and and kind of knowing what we know about him I would not be surprised if there was you know a little bit of tension or friction or whatnot um at, at some point during that so it would be I think it would that would be a, a, a tough sell um to bring him back but again you're you got also uh looking at what what the what the Yankees have with Florial as a, a top prospect I think that they would you know, be all over that if you could get the package in the right place. Would Trevor Bauer struggle with the New York media? He he is very outspoken on Twitter. Uh, Jason Stark, I think, called him out on Twitter maybe last week, like subtweeted him. Yeah, very bizarre. So I don't think he would actually. Or Keith Law, maybe one of one of those national like athletic guys. I think might have might have done it. It feels like Trevor Bauer would almost just like embrace it and kind of love the the little back and forth. He, he seems like the guy that, that kind of embraces the debate embraces like the, the weirdness of it. He's a weird dude. I think um, he's got like a quirky personality. So I actually don't think he would, he would, I think he would kind of go walk into the New York media and understand that, what it is and, um, and, and handle it. Okay. And even if there would was a little weirdness, uh, would the Yankees PR allow him to, to embrace the media like that? Or would they try to put a, a muzzle on him and say, just talk without really saying anything. No, I, I think at that point, when you get traded over, like you're, you're in position now. To, we know to, what we know what we're getting. Do whatever the hell you, you want. Yeah. As long as you, as long as you pitch well, whatever. That's the thing. That, that, that's one of those Performing on the field. A lot of things solve themselves by performing on the field. <laughs> I, I can't fucking do this anymore. We got, I, I, I can't, we can't, we can't. I'm stopping it's, right now. End it. And I'm, I'm going to also, in the beginning of this, this is going to sound like shit. In the beginning of this, I'm going to say we had a lot of connection issues. Please bear with us or something because there's going to be 50 cuts in this. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. We have had probably the worst technical show we've had uh, ever. So what, what number is this again? Let me, uh, let me go back up so we can curse this number for the rest of the... 343. 343 will go down as the, uh, the, the number that I'll never want to see again. Um, but thanks for bearing with us. We've had some cuts. We had some some, uh, some connection issues. Uh, so thanks for bearing with us. And Andrew, any last words? I'm glad you survived. We had a good weekend without you. Uh, we will be there. You will be there for the July 20th event. Uh, any last words? My last words are do not sleep on the Toronto Blue Jays just because you got London ahead of you. Kick the shit out of them. Good, good enough. We got to beat the beat the in division foes number one. London coming up. Big week of baseball. All star game. Vote for our guys. Get them in. Uh, I know pretty much everybody's in the final vote, so go vote for them. Go Yankees. with my head
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.